1: When Raw ends, when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewinder Raw with John Pollock and Waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewinder Raw for Monday night. a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewinder Raw for Monday night on USA. Now on the John and Waiting. The mic. Welcome to Rewinder Raw. It's John Pollock and Waiting. You have downloaded this show. I want to thank you for downloading this show. Me and Wei started doing Rewind a Raw in its previous incarnation, Review a Raw, in July of 2010. We have watched a lot of Raw. We have watched every three-hour Raw. I can say that never, during any of these episodes, did I ever... Feel the need to stop and just tell way, F it. I've never been at the brink as I have been on October 19th, 2020. 45 minutes into this show, the next two hours and 15 minutes, I would have climbed a mountain if that option was presented to me as an alternative tonight. There was no mountain to climb. The mountain to climb was getting through this episode. And boy, was I rewarded for those remaining two hours and 15 minutes. Draft picks, concerts, El Gran Gordo, a show that went off the air with the words, Drew McIntyre's broken into hell. I wish that someone hacked this episode of Raw and put on Anything else, the saving grace, the light at the end of the tunnel, is waiting. who has gone through this torture with me. Wei, I've been friends with you for a long time, but if you tell me tonight that you had a differing opinion of Raw, it's going to be a very difficult show for us to get to, because this one, struggle, is too generous a term. This was... An anvil falling, and I just had to sit and wait for it to descend, land on me, and crush me into oblivion. And my remains are what you have on this podcast.
0: Well, I was going to go for this joke and tell tell you that I loved it. I, I, I can't. I can't even do that. I I just don't have the heart. You know, we're coming off of a month-long stretch of the G1 podcasting every day. Uh, Getting up in the morning, you know, watching two and a half hours of wrestling and then podcasting for about another hour, uh, in addition to our regular routine. Give me two months of that, over three hours of what we saw. It was, it was really. I think I'm still processing it because we're we're literally just coming off of our viewing, but this episode of Raw was, I think, more akin to like um like a Salvador Dali painting you know like surrealist art than any semblance of any sort of mm, sensical narrative uh sporting event drama whatever you want to call professional wrestling it was um it was very different
1: even my great great grandfather jackson would look at this and say no, there was no art here. This is just a mess. This is just colors splattered all over the place. There's nothing behind this.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure how this podcast is going to go. Um it could be, you know, I, I some some of these things I don't really even know what to say about it. It's just like I think the I think the if if this podcasting podcast is interesting, it'll simply come out of the recap like you we don't have to do anything but you like maybe describing what exactly happened and that itself will will be like uh I guess I don't know whatever entertainment value people might get out of this if we are grading this show
1: on the objectives of what a pro wrestling show is supposed to achieve over 3 hours 180 minutes whether it is creating new baby faces whether it's uh amplifying interest in a feud that's going to have a payoff down the road whether it is establishing heels whether it is keeping your interest whether it's making you laugh cry any kind of emotion we will we will hold this show up to any of those objectives and believe me if it checks off any boxes i will give credit where it is due but I am going through this show with a flashlight. I I was definitely frustrated. That I I guess qualifies as something. Um this was a show I I literally was like my, my my jaw was just at a number of times, just on the floor. It was like the most bizarre outcomes on this show in so many different ways. I was just left, I was just aghast. I know there was a show a few weeks ago that I said was the worst Raw of the year. I cannot tell you a detail about that Raw. This one, I feel I will always remember the October 19th, 2020 edition of Raw. Much like I finished that Osaka card a few weeks ago, the A Block show, and said instantly I knew that was the show of the year. I instantly know this is the worst show of the year there will there will be nothing in the next two months and that sounds ridiculous because i probably said that a few weeks ago so we still have two months to go but this was a show that i have no earthly idea how this was a a collection of ideas that made it to paper that came to life in front of our eyes
0: Mm, right um yeah. uh, Well, let's get into it. Where should we start? I don't even know if like any news. Like... You
1: know what? You know what? I'm making an executive decision. Yeah,
0: we're going into RAW. We're going
1: immediately okay. into RAW, and we're going to do the news at the end.
0: Okay. Well. Okay. Ha- okay well. Then first, maybe let's let's give some uh, plugs for some of the things coming up because uh, I I would feel bad if people shut it off after and anyway. Um. Hey, I wanted to promote uh, what our friends at UpNext are doing this week. They're, they've Go got a it. very, very busy week. Uh, first of all, they are releasing a best match ever, Hell in a Cell, on their free feed on Tuesday. That is a preview of what is on their Patreon, uh, but you get to hear it and check it out for free. And then they have a review of Batman Returns on Thursday, also on their free feed. And beyond that, Bound for Glory review this weekend uh, with Nate Milton, Davey Portman, and they are going to be doing, or at least Davey will be, doing a watch-along on the Up Next YouTube channel, youtube.com upnext and they will be back on Sunday for a Hell in a Cell watch-along at youtube.com upnext Up Next. So uh, very busy people, our friends at the BDE. And is there anything else on the schedule you wanted to promote right now?
1: Well, Way and I are going to be back on Tuesday night with the Ask Away mailbag show. Uh, we also have the return of Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure. The adventure is going to take them to Slammiversary 2018, which, if I'm not mistaken, was a show you attended in Toronto. Oh,
0: yes. I think, I think you're right.
1: Uh, they're going to dive in deep that they feel that there is quite a lot uh, to dissect from just two years ago. With Impact Wrestling. So that will be dropping on Thursday. Uh, We're also going to have coverage of all the major shows coming up this weekend. Friday, I'm going to welcome back Cody Saftik. And we're going to preview UFC 254 and go over the latest MMA news happening. And then Saturday, it's a special afternoon edition of UFC. Because the pay-per-view is on at 2 o'clock Eastern. Meaning Phil and I will have our post show live on the Post Wrestling YouTube channel around Four thirty, five 5 o'clock, whenever the main event ends between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje. Then Saturday night, it's Nate Milton and Davey Portman, who will be hosting the Bound for Glory post-show, as they run a the Saturday night pay-per-view. And Way and I draw hell in a cell. Way, we're gonna break into hell on Sunday night, with our post-show airing immediately after the pay-per-view for our double-double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons.
0: Um... I don't know what to expect for that. I'll tell you what to expect. I guarantee you, okay? I guarantee you that'll be a good show. This always happens. Like, the the TV is just bad shit, crazy, nonsensical, awful. And then the pay-per-views, because you're leaving everything up to the performers, they always deliver. So I have faith that Hell in a Cell will actually be good. Well, we've got four matches for Hell in a Cell. Three Hell in a Cells, and Jeff Hardy
1: versus Elias. I believe that is our lineup as we stand right
0: now. Okay, I take it back.
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see what kind of a show they uh, they put out. Uh, but all of the shows you can find up at postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. That also uh, contains all of our G1 shows, including Sunday's final, uh, where WH Park, the recently returning WH Park here to Canada, joined us for a uh, full rundown of the finals and providing his top 10 matches and bottom 10 matches of the G1, as well as Chris Engler going through the results of a very heated, uh, contest with the C block winner crowned and our listener, uh, contest winner announced as well.
0: Yeah. If you happen to enter, but you're not a patron of the site, you can go to the forum and go to the G1 predictions contest thread. I can announce right now that we have one singular winner and I will say his name. Sa Sira, congratulations to you for winning the whole thing. And uh, congratulations to all the runner-ups, too. Check and see how you did.
1: All right. Raw from Monday Night. What starts us off way? It's the new theme song for Raw, The
0: Search by NF. This was the same song that they used for the Bianca Belair promo on Friday. Yes. And, you know, you and I both really liked it. It seemed like a lot of people liked that Bianca Belair thing. And I guess they liked it so much, they're just like, "Hey, this rap stuff is pretty good. Let's just There's use a lot this of positivity for... to
1: this song. What's what's the way we could... <laughs> well, we'll replace the old one, and by the literal definition, we're gonna burn it to the ground.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean this new rap thing. It's like, man, like they should make more songs like this. But for now, I guess uh, we've got." We've got uh, this one um, that they like enough. So, yes, the new theme's on to Raw. I think it's great.
1: Tonight, the main event is the Vipers' message from hell. Uh-huh. Stick around. It's coming up. Alexa Bliss is inside the, the ring. And she announces, Monday Night Raw, he's here. Let him in the fiend makes his entrance and stands with his prom date Alexa bliss as retribution storm the ringside area and they just stand motionless as the retribution members surround them all puts up his hand the lights go out fiend and Alexa disappear and then the lights come on and the hurt business come out they all start fighting retribution is sent to the floor and cedric lays them out with a dive so we come back and after all these months we're getting it now retribution versus the hurt business eight man tag
0: well first i mean just getting back to that initial interaction between the retribution uh and and the fiend um i i i wonder if there's like an attempt to play with with the lights on lights off thing um and I guess at the in the end the fiend won the lights off
1: gimmick? Yes, he, he overpowered the electrical system at the end to do the disappearing act. Right. But yeah. would also return later. So yes, I guess he I guess you could give him the uh the power over the hacker.
0: You also have the hurt business basically coming in here. I mean, they are total baby faces still, you know anytime they are opposed to retribution, I mean they they're working like baby faces. You have Cedric setting us to a commercial break with the topic on hero, you know, like there's no doubt that they are like full on baby faces in this segment,
1: oh yeah, yeah, when they came out of this this segment, they were the biggest baby faces, like just uh, endless opportunities for these new baby faces that would be explored later in the evening. But for this match... Dude, Retribution just got the shit beat out of them for 11 minutes. The Hurt Business is destroying these four. T-Bar and Mace try to distract Alexander, so they tag out to Ali. They knock Alexander off balance on a springboard attempt, and then Alexander is sent into the barricade. When The Fiend appears on the screen, we go to commercial, and we come back, and... No reference of the fiend being on the screen. He's just checking in.
0: That's all. These he's co- like uh he's on the Thunderdome with everyone else, just watching Raw. They've gotten like incredibly just like I don't know if it lazy is the word, or if they're just like, you know, um they they expect their audience to kind of just not think about it anymore, but they they're really not going out of their way to come up with any sort of excuse to go to commercial. In this case, I mean, in many cases now it's just like something's on the screen silence yeah which, commercial. which is
1: really a counterproductive measure when the thinking is okay let's do something that's going to keep people's attention i.e. what's the fiend going to do now that he's shown up and when we come back and he's not even referenced it's like you you've you've destroyed that technique of holding people's attention over the commercial break
0: it's more just like there to i think distract you um From thinking about anything. And I guess the hope is that by the time the three minutes are over after these commercials, you all have forgotten what you just saw.
1: Lashley is in. He spears T-Bar. But Ali makes the save. Then Ali begs off from Lashley. And T-Bar comes from behind to grab hold of Lashley. Who reverses, applies the hurt lock, and T-Bar, the menacing T-Bar, taps out. I'm done. 10.57, 10.57, I was astounded at this, The just, and even more so by the
0: end of the night, that this was even done for any reason. Well, I'm watching this, first of all, this is the group's, like, first match, and, like, I'm watching it, and I'm watching the whole time, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm excited for this. You know, I want to see what Ali looks like as the leader of this thing. Um, let me just say, like, it's kind of a hard, like, as I'm watching the match, I'm thinking, oh, man, like... You know, it was kind of tough for me to buy Ali as sort of like, you know, a sudden main event level heel, you know, when, when last week, I mean, he was just a a guy on main event. Um, and then, uh, little did I know that would kind of be the least of our, that wouldn't even be in the stratosphere of concern because coming out of this, you have the biggest guy in the group, T-Bar, Dominic Dijak, tapping, um, straight up to, to this, to this move and, I just... And that wasn't it. That was just the beginning. This was
1: just the beginning. The Fiend returns. And the Fiend goes one-on-four and annihilates Retribution. He's handing out Sister Abigail's urinagi onto the desk. T-bars caught in the mandible claw. Then a Sister Abigail to him. I thought that they were going to be bringing out a crate with an OVW sticker on it for the end of this segment. The Hurt Business just watches the fiend from the floor, and the segment ends with Alexa Bliss on the screen with Bray's voice corresponding with her lips. Let me in. Uh, It seemed like uh, Retribution uh, was being let out, or at least the air out of their sails was certainly out by the end of this segment. I was astounded by this this was so one-sided it made zero sense to me they're not writing off these characters clearly based on what we'd see later in the night but that's what this totally felt like it felt like they just decided this we're done with this gimmick because that's how it felt after the first 15 minutes of raw
0: could you imagine bash at the beach 1996 okay hogan hulk hogan reveals himself to be the third man The very first match that the three of them have.
1: They lose at WarGames. Kevin games. Nash
0: taps out.
1: <laughs> That's it.
0: WCW <laughs> saved. I guess it wasn't in that much of a threat. <laughs> I couldn't believe this. I mean, like, they didn't even wait to cash in on a pay-per-view before killing them. Like, they did it in the first segment of this season premiere. I I have no explanation. Like, I thought after this, oh, okay, we're not even going to hear Ollie's explanation uh but they they did go there so they still have faith in this i guess they still intend on using this but to me this felt like an immediate write-off like this felt like they were you know over the week they had just, somebody had decided oh retribution of no credibility is top heels on RAW. let's replace them immediately with the fiend that's the feeling i got coming out of this segment so, i
1: felt like okay they're going with the fiend as a baby face and They're like giving up on this act and just giving everything to the Hurt business. It's like, okay. Like, and then the Hurt business, we got to remind you. No, no, they're, they're heels, which we would get later, later in the night. This was absolutely astounding.
0: Yeah, it was insane. Like, I mean, um, I don't know. Like, I've learned to, to watch these shows enough to maybe they might have some semblance of a long-term plan, um, in their mind that might, make all this stuff work out but god like the, i the long
1: term plan is that you don't remember this that's the long term plan
0: man perhaps but it's just like after all that you know like after i think like going Months. through the, going through yeah and but then going through the work of revealing ali as the leader which i think was met with a lot of positivity and then you know having like this really convenient wrap up for them with with the whole time the, the whole hacker thing like the thing they did afterwards it was fine it was perfectly good but to do this before that I don't understand. Why wouldn't you have at least aired that video first so that we could hear these guys? I mean, I wouldn't have booked them, booked this dude to tap out either way, but like, man, it was just like slapjack is right there. Why couldn't you have at least had slapjack take the pinfall? You took the guy who was like the stand in leader
1: before Ali, you did a tap out. And I mean, think, think of all the times we get these silly non finishes because we can't beat either guy. And here you've booked another match where, I mean, if anything, this, this Hurt Business has shown me that Cedric Alexander has become an ultra-protected member of the roster. That's Because true. look at all—dude, Ricochet can't, can't uh, pierce this guy's shield. <laughs> Retribution can't get through. Dude, Cedric Alexander ain't laying down for anybody.
0: He clearly made the wise career choice going with these guys. Oh, this yeah. was just this was fifteen minutes into the show. Little did I know about the the mountain
1: that was ahead of us in terms of what was rolling down the hill.
0: Okay, so but not even that, it's like they made T-Bar tap. Like T-Bar is I, I know Ali's the leader, but like they didn't even have Ali go toe-to-toe with Lashley here. Like they had Ali go toe to toe with Cedric. Because I don't think they give they give enough credibility in ring to Ali. So T-Bar is your biggest physical threat. And they had him tap immediately in the first segment on the season premiere of Raw. And then they had all of them get destroyed by 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 this by uh, the feed afterwards. Like uh, I, insane. I don't know why insane. you couldn't have killed these guys anymore, and and they definitely tried. Like these guys are just like, I, I don't know what you do with them uh, at, at this point. Um, oh. well, you forget just, that's what that's what you do, John. Like we always do, we always forget, and they just move on. Imagine if you were writing a book with that mentality,
1: like, hey. Chapter four is going to be completely stupid. It's not going to make any sense, but no one will remember it by chapter seven.
0: I think I'd be putting the book down right away. Um, and burning it, you know, like, I don't know. What does that say about us to keep coming back?
1: AJ Styles comes out with his new bodyguard. It's big Jordan. This looked to be the, the confirmation that uh raw underground is closed for business. It didn't make it through the pandemic. And I mean, visually this does look very impressive where this guy literally towers over AJ styles from behind, Uh, especially when AJ is doing his, his hand to hand pose inside with Jordan standing behind him. And Jordan's Jordan's role is to look scary. That's it. That's the only cue he needs to take.
0: Yeah. The whole, the whole gimmick is that he is so tall so inhumanely tall the sight of him is enough to paralyze people around him
1: do you know what the best thing that ever happened to jordan was what's that drake maverick going to nxt because they would not have been able to help themselves with the the dynamic of those two together
0: hmm possibly Booker I, I, on, I guarantee you, I I think they they could have done a good job. Like I would be interested in seeing that story. And I mean, not not to even say that this is like this is just starting. You know, like I can't be too hard on this one.
1: I'm not being hard on this. Um, I'm going to be hard on <laughs> what they did, but I don't have anything against this yeah. Jordan AJ pairing at all. Um, Booker T's on the Thunderdome screen. Man,
0: dude, these these just look awful. These look when they like show these shit, people. dude. Like they had, they, like at the end of the main event, it was like, there's JBL. And I swear to you, you I
1: would thought, never have known it was dude, JBL unless looked, they
0: pointed it out. I was studying this image for like five seconds. I swear I was looking at a Dorito and a cowboy hat. Like it was just an orange blob. And they're like, that's JBL. <laughs> like, <laughs> they look so bad.
1: Man. You know how uh on the pandemic special for South Park that that Cartman figured out how to like be on the 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 classroom Zoom call and just ditch it? Yes. That's what I would be doing right now if I was Ric Flair, having to do these every week. Oh man, you could like Mark Henry me.
0: was like looking at his phone. Like, holy I mean, Christ, these guys don't watch Raw normally. This,
1: this is the bottom of the barrel when it comes to like duties you have to perform for the company. Hey, be on Zoom or whatever the hell they're on for these uh, Thunderdome cameos where they can't even tell it to you. Style says that Raw has finally drafted a true leader. He's the prodigal son. He beat Hardy and Rollins last week, proving it was never. Monday Night Rollins, and he is the face that runs the place.
0: I'll tell you what I like is that, like, AJ made no reference to Jordan here. Like, there's no introduction. <laughs> it was just like, here's this guy just following AJ, this <laughs> immense, <laughs> immense man following AJ. No
1: story, no, yeah. like, oh, we ran into each other and in a, catering. And AJ
0: is just, like, acting as if there's nothing unusual about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, man, you look, you look really tall. So AJ took
1: on Matt Riddle. Okay? This this should be documented in a uh, How to Build a Babyface, uh 101. So the referee wants Jordan to leave and he's starting to count and Jordan grabs the referee's arm and the referee <laughs> just pleads with him to go to the floor. AJ just says, well, "You can do whatever you want." It was his first acknowledgement of this man existing. So he goes to the floor reluctantly, and he just
0: stands there. I I think the like I found it amusing that like one of the first ideas that they had to introduce this Jordan to us as a, a very intimidating heel is that he he'll only leave a ring if a referee begs him. That's how please, badass please, man. he
1: is. There's nothing I can do to enforce this. You're too big. Just <laughs> can we just get on with this show?
0: They All had right. the referee actually like like bang come on man i don't care what you do after the match i'm just trying to do my job (laughs) uh so riddle
1: dude if he might as well be r.i.p riddle because my god this guy was just scripted to be the ultimate geek he goes to the apron And he goes for a running PK, but Jordan stands in the way, blocking AJ on the floor. So, so dude, like a cartoon character that runs on the slippery floor, he slips to stop himself from kicking Jordan. And he has this frightened look on his face. Yeah, no. And they go to break. This uh, This was our best cut to commercial break. Hey, Matt, look scared.
0: Well, I don't think the dude is a very good actor to begin with. And when you're oh. trying to put him into this cartoonish storyline where he has to literally act like he's seeing a grizzly bear in front of him. um, God, like, oh, th- this is what you got, man. This is pro wrestling.
1: They had a match when they came back and they were going they were going back and forth uh, AJ hits the Pele kick then Riddle with a deadlift German AJ with the Ushiguroshi and then Riddle a, fireman bu- a fisherman buster it, it was a, like it was literally like these big moves and his got up and then came back with their own back and forth they battle on the top turnbuckle and crash down Riddle lands on the floor so fee-fi-fo-dumb Jordan stands over Matt Riddle <laughs> and he makes a fist <laughs> And Riddle is so frightened, this MMA fighter runs away from this man making a fist into the ring where he's nailed with an insiguri and a Styles clash. Holy shit. If you have any faith in a babyface blossoming out of this show, God bless you. It'll be an accident if it happens.
0: Well Riddle wasn't the project at all here I mean it was it was all designed to get Big Jordan over And um, I guess you know It makes you question Well they did air that great video with Matt Riddle prior to this Didn't you, did you happen to catch that John I've been doing this All over the world Without <laughs> shoes on It's kind of ironic that my name is Riddle <laughs> Because I'm a tough dude To figure out Dude we're not making any of these lines up Oh I'm not that clever are you kidding me this shit was terrible. Like so painfully obviously scripted. Nothing on like what a hu- real human being would ever say, and just corny as hell. Like, oh man, like he's gonna. Well, dude, they're, they're, Drew Gulak's on this roster. Drew Gulak couldn't be this geek oh, in Josh. this
1: match for eight a- This was a showcase for AJ and Jordan, and they put Matt Riddle
0: on his first show on Raw in this spot. Are you kidding me? I re- I'd totally rather be Drew Gulak running through the screen trying to catch our truth for the twenty four seven title than to be Matt Riddle in this in this position on this particular edition of Raw, man. Like, um,
1: my point is, uh, who is your who is your more valued asset? Obviously, uh, they're much closer in terms of where they stand on the depth chart with Riddle
0: and Gulak. Here's the problem, okay? They think that Matt Riddle being paralyzed out of fear, um, at the sight of this Jordan is a legitimate form of distraction I mean they think it's as legitimate as you know like so, somebody uh, t- turning the music on on the titantron to distract you for a roll up like this is the dude's ridiculous gimmick and you know as we go through this episode of raw there are going to be things that will like make you pull your hair out but then like there are things that are so bad that I can enjoy them and I think this might be one of those like like Jordan visually paralyzing people just by being tall is so ridiculous. It's like that type of off the wall fucking crazy thing that like like a man getting his eye ripped out, leading to his daughter dating the attacker, or a group of terrorists getting contracts with the company that they've been terrorizing. Like this type of stuff that's so insane that you just have to like you have to view it through the vision of a crazy sixty year old man suffering from dementia mind and there's a sl- there's a curious curious entertainment value i think attached to some of this stuff if you allow it
1: charlie catches up with drew mcintyre and he takes over the interview he grabs the microphone when he met randy orton he was 20 years old and he realized orton was the most evil sadistic and entitled person on the roster All of this should have ended after the ambulance match, but you knew by attacking the legends how I would react, and now you've got another match, and I've had zero Hell in a Cell matches while Randy's had seven. But life experience matters too, and I've been through hell, and I'm wearing black because maybe I'm going to a funeral, which was apropos uh, by the end of tonight, and maybe I'm going to show up for your segment later tonight. Uh, in all seriousness, this was a fine promo.
0: It was a good promo, but it felt so incredibly out of place on this show. Like by the end of it, it was like I don't like think about this p- at all. It was
1: utter insanity, except for this one baby face. That's an actual, real baby face that they book like a baby face. He is his gimmick is he's an actual baby face that fans can believe in and be behind.
0: The whole thing is so, like, the whole three hours, like, felt so absurd that the one thing that actually made perfect sense, like, feels out of place.
1: Oscar versus Lana. This was the entire focus for last week, was this battle royal for Lana to get her big opportunity. She avoids the Asuka lock by getting to the rope, got in a series of kicks, I was totally distracted because while Lana was on offense, this twelve year old on the Thunderdome kept putting his thumbs down in such an animated fashion while Lana was trying to attack Oscar. She goes for a roll up, it's reversed into the Oscar lock, and Lana taps out in two minutes and twenty seconds. Thank you for wasting our time last week. Dude, they this
0: they went through all the trouble to set that Lana match up last week as a challenger. And they just, like, zipped us right from that to the conclusion of this feud in the very next appearance from these characters. Like, to me, the whole point of, like, doing sort of this fluky mismatch person trying to get a title shot is to tell some story here. You know, like, oh, the odds are totally against Lana. Like, does she have something to prove? Does she have something up her sleeve? You know, what does Asuka think? Not one promo, not one uh, sound from Lana or Oscar. And the, I mean, you have to go on social media to get all that storytelling, I suppose. But there's no attempt at like, why not give us an insert promo or something at least from Lana prior to this? Um, I felt like there was an attempt to like portray Lana as somebody, somebody who like gave, who did better than maybe everybody expected. But like in two minutes, the match never reached that level. In the end, it was just a squash, and Lana was just kind of—I mean, you know—just used as another like joke right here for the. You Lana know what this felt I like?
1: Think. This felt like last week. They looked at how far the third hour fell, and I think blamed it on this battle royal and just wrote it off like this means nothing for next week.
0: But that, they, does,
1: but, but it's that's, terrible. How like, stupid have, is
0: that? It's like you started a story, and because yeah, okay, even if the ratings are bad, you still see the story through. You don't just like you might as well not do the match then. Because this doubles down that the next time like where does this slot your
1: women's division? Lana beat everybody last week in that battle royal. Well, she
0: won through the the fluke. Like I don't I don't think she has any credit like there was it wasn't meant to give her credibility. She tricked her way into it.
1: Well, that was that. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler immediately attack and yes, wash, rinse, repeat. Lana is put through the desk for the fifth time in a row,
0: yeah, like i don't I don't know if like minds were changed last week or, or what, but like um i I'm not even disappointed that they didn't actually give Lana a push or time to wrestle or anything like that. I don't really care. It's that it felt like they were trying to build a storyline. It felt like we saw the first chapter of a storyline, and then we just zipped right into the end um with no payoff for the time that we invested.
1: Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler continue their attack. Baszler's attacking Asuka. Asuka fights them off. She gets sent to the floor. or She sends Baszler to the floor with a hip attack. Leaves with her belt. Jax and Baszler are still in the ring after the break. They don't braid each other's hair and they don't follow each other on Instagram. They argue over the word teamwork versus dominance, blah, blah, blah. They own the tag titles and dominate both the Raw and SmackDown women's divisions, which, as you can see, is just flourishing. They dare anyone to come and do anything about it. So Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke answer the challenge. Tom Phillips pronounces they're undefeated on Raw. They are 2-0. and Then out comes... This was really clever. You have Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. Uh, and... They put them together, but the interesting wrinkle is that they don't get along with each other. So you've got this weird pairing where you don't know what the other's going to do in response to the partner, and therefore you have all these interesting uh, layers to the team because at its base there is no foundation. They don't get along. I thought that was so brilliant.
0: You know, it seems... Seems like a really unique idea. I don't know uh, how it'll turn out, but um, you know, you should try everything at least once.
1: Yep. Yep. This was a perfect justification of the Iconics breaking up. They split the
0: Iconics up only to put Peyton Royce (laughs) back into another tag team. Um, And then, like, they, you know, like, okay, so let's set the scene, okay? At this point, referee, like, hands the, like, takes the belt. They're handing the belt to the ring uh, timekeeper, and the announcers are just like, well, I guess we're having a match. But there's more. <laughs> the best part of this. Dun, 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 dun. That's not their theme,
1: but who cares? Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot come out. <laughs> and I quote Wait a minute. They were drafted to SmackDown. <laughs> but I guess they are taking advantage of that one last opportunity to compete on Raw. Dude. I threw my laptop against the wall. I was done with that line.
0: One last opportunity to compete on RAW. They were the only people, right, that were SmackDown people on the show. Well, I guess if you don't count Otis no. under a mask. Otis
1: was here well, as well technically
0: he was not because that that was fine. But it, then these two should have worn masks. But like I thought, all the last last opportunity shit happened last week. That was the
1: whole point behind the season premiere. It's a fresh start with all the new rosters. And what got me more than anything here, like. You know what I mean? Roman Reigns is on Raw. It's like, okay, this is kind of stupid, but Jesus Christ, it's Roman Reigns. You have a storyline idea. After this match, why the hell were these two so necessary for this match? You had a babyface team. They weren't winning. They weren't setting up a match for the pay-per-view. Are you kidding me? Like, why was this the the Oh god. Oh, well, they needed Why was lose. this the um, reason we had to just make the draft look foolish 7 days later?
0: Well, they wanted to protect Mandy and Dana. I guess they wanted to protect Lacey and Peyton. I suppose. Oh, yeah,
1: Peyton and Lacey. Jesus. We, they, they were the ones to take the fall though. They Oh, no, didn't Lacey take or Ruby t- take it? No, it was a Samoan <laughs> drop to Lacey Evans and Jack's pinned
0: Evans. Oh, they yeah. weren't even involved in the finish. They got Liv's babyface comeback. No, no, no. That no. Was... Riot, Riot took, took the Samoan drop. Pretty sure. She, took, she got choked out, and then she took the Samoan drop. No, Baszler pulled Ruby to the floor with the Kirifuda clutch. Yeah, and then Af- didn't they bring her back in, or, or am I mistaken? I'm going to look this up. Okay. Uh... Uh, this will determine whether or not this was brilliant booking or not.
1: Oh yeah, I will I will completely rescind my uh, my All criticism right. if right, if, the, if this is wrong.
0: But um, the, I you're right. Like ultimately it's like um I think even that idea to bring a, a team just to just from Smackdown just to justify somebody getting a pinfall like that. Yes. Lace, Lacey
1: thing. Evans took the fall.
0: Oh okay, then I apologize. Um I have no explanation.
1: Phillips and Samoa Joe figure out on the fly that this is a non-title match. So, I feel so bad for these three. And, and, oh, and, and like, I dude, know Tom legit, like, just starts laughing at one point. Like, he knows how stupid this is. Like, this makes no sense. And they're just like, well, it's, it's bragging rights. And it's just like, dude, I could just picture this guy throwing his pen in the air. Who cares?
0: Like, I know, like, Vince or whoever must be in his ear, but like, I don't even think Vince himself knows what's going on. Like, I don't think whoever, like, if it's Hunter or whoever's talking to these guys, like, Nobody has any fucking idea what's going on. Like this is, there's no explanation for any of this. It's the decision that was somehow made some point, probably at like seven o'clock in the, in, in the evening. And it's it, here it is. So, and, and it's the announcers who have to present it to the world.
1: So we go through all the different combinations here. Uh, Rose hit Jax with a bicycle knee, the Ruby, the riot squad get knocked off the apron. Dana hits a swanton. Baszler breaks up the cover. A uh, Peyton Royce came in with a spin kick to Mandy and then a woman's right to Ruby Dana tosses Evans out, and then Morgan, uh, runs wild here, and this is where they do the double knees into the riot kick onto Evans, and Ruby is about to get the cover when Shayna Baszler grabs Ruby with the Kirafuda clutch, taking her to the floor, and this is where Nia Jax hits Lacey Evans with the Samoan drop in eight minutes and 29 seconds, so this sets up nothing for Sunday. I have no idea why the riot squad were in this, as opposed to just doing a three way where you don't make a total lapping stock out of your draft instantly i was just perplexed at this point
0: yeah um beyond that it was like a quick glimpse into the raw women's roster right now and uh you know i think like mandy and dana they show some promise as a team they've been like uh, working hard together to pull out some like tag team maneuvers um but then it's like man they're still relatively new, I think, as, as um, performers and relatively low level compared to the standard, even though they're advancing. And then you got, like, Lacey Evans. You got Peyton Royce. And I thought you had Liv Morgan, but I guess I was wrong. They're SmackDown people. And you got Nia Jax. So, like, as far as, like, you know, like, the top tier people who can actually go, I mean, who do you have right now on this on this show? You've got, like, Shayna. Uh,
1: on Raw, this Oscar. is it. With, like, yeah. Shayna, Asuka.
0: You know, like Charlotte I mean once she comes in, like right. she is desperately missed, and I guess Mickey James, too, you could throw in there, but like man, it's like Mickey's maybe? a free agent, oh, sorry, yeah, she wasn't drafted right but but, um, well, you know like it, uh, tag team matches might might be good places for I guess developing talent, so oh, man, we'll see,
1: so the come down after that high point was the Elias concert. He promotes his album coming out next Monday. He flubbed the name of the album. So, of course, Byron Saxon's got to point it out that he screwed up the name of it. And he's going to play his first song. Amen. How many times are they going to kill me? Try to put me in the grave? Because I'm down deep about six feet. I need someone to save I only wear my black hat everywhere I go. The only time I take it off is when I do my show. And I say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you want me to go on? Uh, sir. I was born a sinner. That's how I'm going to die. So when I drop down to my knees, I thank the Lord and cry. I've seen so many things. I don't want to believe, but my eyes see through those lies, and truth is going to set you free. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So he was born a sinner, which seems an awfully high bar to assign an infant. And it's obviously going to be a scarlet letter on him for the rest of his life. But he has found religion and clearly has a relationship with God. He's seen so many things he doesn't want to believe, but his eyes see through those lies. That seems like a contradiction, but the truth is going to set you free.
0: Hmm. Um... Yeah, I'm I'm more of a music guy. I I don't really pay that much attention to lyrics. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What does this say about his soul?
1: It tells me, like, this is obviously um, a very interpersonal look at the Elias character as we have seen it grow from NXT through the main roster. That here is a man that, was he always this awful person? No, he was born a sinner. And knows that he has this fate ahead of him, that he will always be branded such a sinner. And here he Mm -hmm. is performing for this audience that sees through the lies and knows this man is a sinner. And they boo him, but he's misunderstood because the truth that he sings will set him free. Oh, all right. Cool. Then we go into lead me home. I was desperately looking to be led home at this point in the show. <laughs> this one was way better. I travel through time and space, through a forest in a quiet place, and I let the moonlight rest on my face. And I need you to show me the way. So lead me, lead me, lead me, lead me home now. Won't you lead me home? When I feel far away, And I know this ain't the place. I feel the sunshine on my face. And I need you to show me the way. Lead me. Lead me home. Won't you? Lead me home. This song, I looked really deep into. Because this one told me of a man that was told, We're putting this album out with five singles. And you've got one. So you better write some material. We'll give you the name. It's called Lead Me Home. You can use that title as many times as you want in (laughs) four sentences. Just run on sentences fine. This album's on sale next Monday. And this is being presented as like an actual album. This was not like this guy's an awful singer. It's the guy who was the shitty singer is now, wow, he's a great singer, but... He's an awful person.
0: Well, last time we we actually, like, reviewed the first album um, for, like, a video we did. Oh, my um, God, you're right. For, like, the Double Double Patrons. Yeah, way back. And that was, like, I think more of your classic, like, wrestling heel comedy album where he was, like, very much in character. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say he was, like, I mean, he was trying, but it was more so done, like, strictly in character. These songs just felt like... This dude's real attempt at being an awful Christian rock artist. Um, this was like, there's nothing funny or in character about these at all. You're you're taking like a, a, an established heel, and you're
1: trying to sell this album, so it doesn't really benefit you to make him like. Like, this character doesn't really work if it's like, oh, the music is really good. <laughs> like, he's a great singer. No one's <laughs> thinking this, John. Don't worry. No one's thinking. No, like, but that's the how they're selling so it. That's how they're selling it. It's Byron saying, well, he's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, you know, like, everybody, you know, is cooped up in their house during this pandemic looking for a hobby. And I think anybody showing any form of uh, brand new creativity, taking advantage of their time in quarantine... Is a great thing, so I'm really happy for Elias. He uh, came up with this project at the end of it, and um, I just don't, I guess, necessarily need it being pres- presented on a uh, on my wrestling show, you know. Um, but it hey, was. Here's like- my
1: question: if if Elias uh, decided to record this at uh, the Ting household, what commentary could I hear in the background? from one of your parents as they listen to you performing or Elias, I should say, do you think they would be, uh, encouraging this music or being a, a mm. harsh
0: critic? Hmm. Um, well, my, uh, my dad might get into it a bit, but maybe like, maybe by the fifth, take me home or leave me home, lead me home, lead me home. Maybe he would get a We, a, we should have your brother review this. No. The great James Tang should review this. Oh, I don't think I don't think he he'd be interested. He
1: wouldn't get he wouldn't get through. Amen.
0: Nor would anyone else. You know, but the live performance here, like I was expecting a lot more stick, You know, like I was expecting a lot more, like you know, typical Elias stuff. But instead, it was just like you know this like kind of like I don't know generic lip synced performance. Even though like they weren't even like making light of the fact that it was lip synced. It was just like you know like trying their best to let you to 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 be a real performance. And I'll tell you what's also weird is the fact that, like, at the end, because they have control of all the sound, they pipe cheers in. They didn't pipe in booze like they were piping in cheers. So they, it was like they wanted to have the reaction seem like it was going to be positive so that you might have a chance of buying this this album. But, I mean it's totally the, counter to the
1: character. It's just heel. like you're trying to do two things. You're trying to push a heel, but you're also trying to sell this album as being somewhat of quality. So it's a it's a complete contradiction of what you're trying to engage from your audience that you the viewer at home, you're you're left totally conflicted at the end of this.
0: I mean, you know, perhaps this this guy actually just wanted to like write some real songs. Wanted to get some some some, you know, some messages out of his heart. And um, they're like, hey, WWE, you want to help me sell this? And this is it. We've been through it before. Like, what is it? Like, Chris Jericho's done his Fozzie stuff on, on Raw. I mean, wasn't particularly, like, bad. Um, but he was a heel. Anyway, they, they tried to turn him into an angle at the end of this.
1: He hears what the fans are chanting. And he's going to do an encore. And there's a hidden man in a hoodie that wasn't part of Retribution and it's jeff hardy you wouldn't believe it and he swings the guitar at elias hits the microphone stand and ends the segment by yelling i didn't hit you with that car man no terry
0: <laughs> well as far as interruptions go i thought jeff was pretty considerate you I know mean, he, let, he let the man finish like his he waited until the end yeah yeah can you imagine if like you are just you know, like a first-time viewer of this TV show. Oh, season premiere? Maybe I'll give this wrestling thing a shot. I've heard all about it. This is my jumping-on point. Yeah, I heard about this great thing called the G1. Let's see what's, what's up. Everybody's raving about it. So you tune in to watch this sporting event. And instead, you're presented with this awful Christian rock concert. And then a guy shows up saying, I didn't hit you with that car, man. I, I think as a as a child, I, I'd be glued, actually. It's like, this show is so weird.
1: Yeah. He should have, uh... They should have played Amen over the hit-and-run attack with the lyrics, How many times they're gonna kill me while in slow motion we watch the car take out Elias. Try to put me in the grave because I'm down deep about six feet. I need someone to save.
0: Maybe that's where he came out with the lyrics. <laughs> It's about the car, time actually. to reflect yeah. on the hit and run from five months ago. Yeah. Uh, so
1: this match, well, we assume it's happening on Sunday. Jeff never answered this challenge. Maybe oh, he did on I raw don't. talk. Yeah. The Miz and Morrison are in the back. They talked about saving Mandy's life by putting her on raw. Little do they know what company they're in. They bring up the court case against Otis and Tucker confronts them, accuses them of using their influence at the USA network. And they're delaying the trial to drain Otis. And Tucker's gonna find a partner to ruin their lives tonight in a tag team match. And Miz says, I'm trying to restore dignity in the Money in the Bank contract. He accepts the match, and they laugh at the idea Tucker will be able to find a partner.
0: Yep. They've also, like, I I mean, like, I I know this has kind of been the case, but, like, Morrison has, like, just kind of, like, continue to dive deeper and deeper into sort of like being the court jester of the team like when the idiot best friend yeah when they started I mean they, I would say they were a bit more equal you know both of them were sort of the idiots but like Morrison I think still had you know a bit more credibility as the physica, physical guy of the group now he's he, Johnny Drama from Entourage I think that's his new role um okay yeah I was gonna say like uh didn't uh, he had his own Johnny he had Johnny Bravo on Impact right <laughs> He became uh, he Johnny, Johnny Bravo. Johnny
1: Bravo's gotten
0: getting like more of a push on impact than Morrison is here on Raw. Morrison's become Johnny Bravo. Like he he's the idiot of the group now. Like he here he was like doing the echoing thing. Like he's uh, he's become like um like a Damien Mizdow type of character.
1: Elias is in the back. Charlie, interview extraordinaire here. I take it that the Jeff Hardy interruption was not what you had in mind. It actually was, uh, Charlie. Funny you should observe that fact. I was hoping that he would take my head off with an electric guitar. He confirms it was not what he had in mind. He thought these interruptions were done. No one has reverence for his music, so he challenges Jeff Hardy to a match at Hell in a Cell before his album drops next Monday. All right. I hope my favorite uh, reviewer on YouTube is going to look at
0: Universal Truth. Oh yes, what's his name? Uh, laid back. Laid back. You should send it to him. I'll, I, I will. I will. I will send a request to review Universal Truth. I think this match should also be in a Hell in a Cell.
1: Well, it's uh, there. There might be points where it's hell to watch one cell, but. Um, <laughs> That's coming up on Sunday.
0: Kofi right. Kinks. Let's, let's get positive here. Okay? I can't
1: because at this point, I was so out of this show at this point that I know it's unfair to probably uh, what, what's to come. I was just completely, my energy level was just sucked out of me by this point in the show. And we're not even done the second hour.
0: Um, yeah, definitely, like, you know, uh, put me in a bit of a weird funk. Like, so uh, honestly, like by the, by this point it's like, it's, it was hard to, to even like enjoy anything good unless it was spectacularly good. And I would say like what was to come in this segment was fine. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe, um, well, please talk about it. The new day comes out and Kingston and woods cut a promo. Woods
1: goes over his last year, tearing his Achilles. Then they come back, blah, blah, blah. Sheamus calls, they're crying on SmackDown Pathetic, and Kingston says they're going to spread their seed of positivity like Johnny Appleseed. So they start chanting Johnny Appleseed together. So Kingston takes on Sheamus, which Tom Phillips, uh, with a straight face, promotes it's their first singles match on this brand in nine years.
0: Historical.
1: Wow. Do you remember the great clash of 2011 between Kofi Kingston and Sheamus on Raw before <laughs> their SmackDown battles over the following
0: years? I've been wondering that stat. You know, I wish yeah. somebody would compile it, and thankfully we had that. Yeah, this is the first time I've walked into this food
1: chain in this specific restaurant in five months.
0: Hmm, yes.
1: So after an emotional farewell on Friday, Biggie was on the screen watching The New Day, and he was also um, shirtless.
0: Yeah, well, how else would you know? It was him, you know? Like you could, it was just like a avatar. It blown up into full screen. It's like a five hundred pixel by five hundred pixel avatar blown up into like a HD TV.
1: So Kofi went for his trust fall. Seamus caught him and drove him into the apron. That was our commercial break. Kingston caught him with a leaping stomp. Uh, Seamus applied the cloverleaf and then pulled Kingston back. But Kingston turns into a cradle. Trouble in Paradise, but he tumbles over Sheamus, and they just kind of fall down. Sheamus hit an Alabama slam, and then Kingston did this new move, a Russian leg sweep off the turnbuckle, and then Crucifix into the Trouble in Paradise. Kofi wins in 13 minutes and 12 seconds. It was late in the show, and it was long, and I was uh, just... I'm sure this was fine, but I, I didn't feel this match.
0: It was an overall okay match. Um...
1: Moving on. Mark was Henry it. is on There's the screen. There's no, really
0: nothing else to say about it. At least, it, except for the fact that it, was, it wasn't it was really a Nine years in the making, way. Nine was. years since these two have fought on Raw. Nine years. It was inoffensive. It was like nothing I can even... I'm almost disappointed because I've, I've started watching the rest of the show just with like expecting to just see like what crazy, crazy booking decision they'd make next. And when we get something straightforward like what we just had with Kofi Kingston beating Sheamus um his first singles match on raw um it was it's almost a little bit disappointing but yeah there's nothing wrong at all with the, with, with the, what happened there but yeah it was fine.
1: you're like the guy that comes home at the end of the day and someone asks how was your day and like your litmus test is i didn't get murdered i didn't get knifed no one shot me it's great a great day well listen let me tell you when,
0: when you when you go to work and you've had a week of knifings and shootings and people dying I think coming home for a day where that doesn't happen you're like you can be pretty happy about that Yeah, there's something to be
1: said for that retribution is in the back this is their rebuttal to that opening segment Ali says that the fiend and the hurt business made a mistake did they Ali says that his power is creating chaos, and all I need is a laptop, a cell phone, and one click can make someone's world come crumbling down. This corrupt company didn't know how to make a buck off someone named Mustafa Ali, and he watched... I've been saying it s- wrong this whole time. We, we've... No wonder he's turned on all the audience. They've all been mispronouncing his name, as have the
0: commentators and everybody
1: else. Not only the did they not know how to years, make,
0: make a buck off of it, they just they got rid of it completely. I guess that's what he was referring to.
1: Yeah, it was very awkward that Tom had to start, like, pronouncing it differently right after the segment. He watched the spineless stars plot to get ahead and learned all of their secrets. And then, like, you know... The end of the Bond film where the villain thinks he's got James Bond. He's just going to give out his planes. like, I was the hacker.
0: Except, and like, like, usually the villain says that when they're in a, a point of advantage where they're about to win. This is a <laughs> dude coming off of complete embarrassment for their first appearance in their first match on TV.
1: Isn't this, like, a criminal offense? Like, for his, like, what he has intercepted and, like, this is, like cyber, like, this is a cyber attack that he has committed on, like, a publicly traded company, gotten into God knows what. Um,
0: well, he's on Raw now. They got have a le- different legal system.
1: All those Yeah, apparently so. They don't have to honor SmackDown contracts, I guess.
0: All those crimes are forgotten.
1: He said he wants everyone to know that this sick place is corrupting everyone. Good, talented individuals are being forgotten, and their dreams are left to die. But I found them. And I've united them. If you try to stop the truth from being heard, we will shut you down. Uh, Which puts them several steps ahead of the government of Florida. How
0: are these guys going to shut anything down?
1: Well, they definitely need more numbers because four on one is not enough of an advantage, we have learned. So where did all the other retribution geeks end
0: up? Well, it doesn't matter. Like, I I can't take these dudes seriously. I was looking forward to this exact promo the most out of anything on 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 this show. Like I I fil- I was ex- I'm so excited about Ali being the leader of Retribution. Totally, this should have
1: happened last week as advertised, and we never get to this hurt
0: business thing. At least not now. You would have at least had to give me a week of like being like, "Man, this Retribution thing is going to be awesome," until you completely dropped them out. But like to to hear it after the fact, just to- totally took all the win out of it. I mean, the idea of like linking all this stuff to the hacking thing is a great point of convenience that um, they, you know, stumbled upon. And I'm glad they did it. It even adds a a level of depth and, you know, um, I don't know, uh, some coherence to the month long pointless storylines that we've seen in the past. Um, And I liked it. It was good. We got to have uh, we got to hear Ali say, you know, really talk about like the. Um the m o of the group, like these are good talented people, and their dreams were left to die those those these are great lines, but to come after seeing them completely destroyed like that, it was I really wish and it really made no sense why like they would air this, they would even put the effort into shooting this, knowing that they were gonna kill them in that first segment.
1: The only explanation is they're making retribution baby faces because this is how they would book top baby faces.
0: I guarantee you these guys are going to try to save it on Twitter. Like, T-Bar is going to play with it. He'll get over. um, And yeah, maybe there will be baby faces.
1: So, the only strong point to emerge from this this rubble of garbage was the Hurt Business feeling like actual stars coming out of that. They're approached by Titus O'Neil, who thanks them for what they did, and Titus thinks he'd be a hell of an addition to the group. He's got connections and a public image to take the group worldwide. Titus thinks he's in. He's shaking hands. Lashley does the where do you think you're going bit and doesn't let go. And they jump Titus. So just course correcting anyone that might have thought, wait a minute, these guys, the Hurt Business, man, these guys kicked some ass tonight. Well, we got the official reset here. They are back to being your top heel group. I don't know what that,
0: what the hell that makes retribution. I guess they
1: are not your top heel
0: group. And what's Bray Wyatt like? Everybody's got like, ah, uh, gray shades of gray. Yeah, modern wrestling shades of gray. This is
1: this is a <laughs> documentary I'm watching on Monday nights. This isn't this isn't this uh, cartoonish yeah.
0: wrestling. We're here to reflect the real world. Well, the
1: real world then produced uh, this segment with the Miz and Morrison. Tucker comes out and he has scoured the earth and found a Lucha Libre star, El Gran Gordo, which yes, translates to the big fat man. And out comes Otis under a mask with a cape and the Otis lunchbox. Miz calls it out. He says, that's Otis. Otis Does his best or his worst to try and speak Spanish. Tucker says this could be the next Rey Mysterio. Miz says this guy looks like he ate the Lucha House Party. Runs him down. You spit on everyone that held that money in the bank briefcase. It changed my career. You make a joke out of it because you are a joke. One of us looks like a star. I've represented this company in all forms of media. I'm championship material and yet these people boo me. And they cheer Otis because he's the underdog story. Well, it's because people feel sorry for you. I know how to play the system. And that will separate Otis from the briefcase. A mask on a pig still leaves you as a pig. Listen, I thought Otis was hilarious as this character. But this week after the draft and what had already happened on this show with the riot squad and everything, I just thought like... Why didn't they just keep Otis? Why didn't they just put Otis on Raw? If they had these clever ideas, they want to continue this feud with the Miz. They want him aligned with Tucker. They're doing stuff with Mandy again. Like, why didn't they just put Otis on Raw?
0: Um, Why is this guy on SmackDown away from all these people? Well, I can't tell you when maybe this idea of like Otis dressing up as a Luchador was was proposed. But I mean, you you know, if you just had him straight up on Raw, you couldn't do the story. You couldn't do like I like the idea. I thought this was clever. Like I thought it was like you know the idea that Otis, his girlfriend, his best friend are all drafted on a single show, and he's stranded on SmackDown. Him trying to come up with ways every single week to try to get on Raw. I I think that's funny. I think that's that's well, like, why did good. he have
1: to hide? Why did he have to hide under a mask?
0: Because then because he's not technically supposed to be there. He's 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 a SmackDown guy. This hard and fast. Rule yes well to to you have to suspend your disbelief that they completely respect that rule, um
1: so had he been on Raw and drafted to SmackDown that means that then he could have showed up tonight because he had a last opportunity yeah so Tucker could be on SmackDown this week Uh, he has one more
0: opportunity right I don't know how those last opportunities work I mean I I thought they ended like the day of the draft. They didn't so i guess it's the day of the season premiere is your last opportunity this week it is okay so i don't know dude whatever like i i i think you can i i understand why you you would hate this because it's in it's a part of the whole breakdown and disrespect of this draft these these kind of brand boundaries that they've completely pissed all over but I think in a vacuum, if you just think, oh, two brands, this guy is dressing up as a luchador to go see his best friend. I, his I don't
1: boyfriend. disagree. I don't disagree. It's completely because of everything else that surrounds it and probably the timing of it, too. But I mean, Otis was very funny here. He's very entertaining as this character. So you're right. Like in a vacuum, I didn't have much issue with.
0: This. But I will say the other thing is, I mean, he he's only strictly here for, for, for Tucker. I, there's no indication that Otis and Mandy are even a thing anymore. Um, so... They mi-
1: they did the segment with them later. Kind
0: of. Oh, I must have missed that.
1: Oh. No, they did... Uh, well, we'll get to that later. I mean, it wasn't a big thing, but they did have Mandy, uh, come up to Otis and present him with a ham. Oh, I totally well, he was that. under the mask. Okay. So, we had our tag match with Tucker and Otis against Miz and Morrison. They got the heat on Tucker, and... Morrison made Tucker do the Tanahashi self-hug by straightjacketing him. Gordo gets the tag and runs wild, including a flying arm drag and a cartwheel. Uh, there's a power slam. Morrison saves. Then Tucker slams Morrison. Miz goes for the skull crushing finale when R-Truth strolls through the ring and is chased by Drew Gulak and Tozawa. The whole point of this was for Lindsay Dorado and Grand League, who are below the basement of where anyone is on Raw.
0: Man, they we come out... We didn't even get a payoff for that Kalisto thing.
1: No, and you're not going to get one. Dorado and Metalik were solely there to do a double-take looking at Otis dressed as the Luchador, uh, which Otis also came out to Grand Metalik's old theme song. That was the whole point of this segment, and or at least their cameo. Uh, and... He hit the caterpillar on Ms., otis Baum and pins Miz in four thirty nine and they danced and then in the back otis Gore or sorry Otis Tucker and the new day are dancing as wood woods plays the trombone and Mandy Rose presents Gordo with a ham and she starts dancing too
0: right, okay, so yeah, I don't know, I don't know if this would continue or if this is just a one time thing.
1: Well, they've got to do this lawsuit thing. It's got to... Like, they're they're not dropping that. They're continuing with that. So you've got to have some... Yeah, you're going to have to keep doing this. I'm sure they're going to continue with this Otis thing showing up, like, with this character, or, or different identities.
0: Yeah. I, and I think for all their sakes, I hope so. Because certainly for Tucker, um, and certainly for Otis, like, as a singles, I, I think he's actually weaker without Tucker's by his side. And, and you know, Tucker without question. Even Mandy, like... There's a lot more story I think to be told in that relationship.
1: Firefly Funhouse. They have moved over to Raw. Bray packed the mallet, the sheep mask. He did not pack Wobbly Walrus, who I guess uh is loyal to SmackDown.
0: Yeah. Um I think he's he's going to be busy there for a while. What Wobbly- was this racket thing he pulled out?
1: I didn't know what this was. It was obviously a reference to something where the uh, like the, the light went off in his head. Yeah. Someone can inform us what this was. Mm, I'm sure it's attached to some. I, I didn't recognize it. Uh, they showed footage earlier of the fiend murdering everyone. Ramblin' Rabbit says he wants to be a better husband. Bray didn't know he was married. He'll be a better friend to him. And they show all the times that Mercy the Buzzard murdered the rabbit. Bray put him in a blender and mashed him with the mallet. Bray tells him, the past is in our heads, but the future is in our hands. And then Buzzard eats the rabbit. The door knocks. Alexa Bliss enters the funhouse and says,
0: well, Bobby, we're just getting started. Uh, yeah. Did he have, like, did he have it for, like, the Orton feud? The, the, the racket?
1: was this a sign of the uh the uh what was it the the, the sister the horror, abigail house thing? of horrors
0: yeah was this was this something like that maybe i don't know okay anyway uh and that was it to this like not much to this firefly funhouse dude it's just like alexa bliss they moved bliss? into
1: Raw and alexa is now in the firefly funhouse uh world
0: like that was the punchline alexa bliss is here
1: on the list of things I didn't like about Raw, this this was down there. It was... uh, This, this didn't crack my top ten. It was just there. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, th- this might have been top three. Braun Strowman against Keith Lee. Rick Flair and JBL are watching this thing on the screen. Uh, Braun nails Keith on the floor with a big pounce. Then he goes for a power slam. And he's grabbing his ribs. And we're reminded... Oh, yeah, this guy was left for dead on Friday by Roman reigns. He was annihilated with these chair shots. It's like, okay, well, you you've created your out. like you can maybe get a finish out of this match now with the rib injury. Stupid me. Keith Lee splashes him, coming off the ropes. Braun kicks out. Braun then misses in the corner, gets leveled by Lee. Braun can't stand up. But when he does, he headbutts Keith Lee low, follows with a running boot, and dude Braun Strowman pins Keith Lee in 3 minutes and 18 seconds. So I guess Keith Lee had an extra minute that Lana didn't get. Keith, after getting this pinfall loss to the man that was absolutely destroyed on Friday, Low blows Braun by kicking him in the dick and yells, Don't test me. You took a shortcut against me. Monster meet dragon. (laughs) You have tangled with the wrong one. Which is funny because I was once walking home late at night Mm -hmm. and these guys got into a street fight. And the one dude uh, leveled this guy with a big (laughs) punch and said, monster meet dragon. You have tangled with the wrong one. You mm, took a God. shortcut against me. So, dude, <sighs> Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Retribution, dude, like this was a just absolutely detrimental show to some of these people. Like, why was this match? I have, I'm done, dude. Like, okay. I don't understand uh, any of this. Well,
0: Braun Strowman had to eat eat a uh, mm. a loss and a big one at that to Roman Reigns. Got got the shit beaten out of him, and so they're thinking is. We got to rehab Braun. Okay. And they also didn't want to have Keith Lee lose a straight match. So they had Strowman like use, pick up the art of the covert low blow from Roman Reigns to get out of this match. Um, And they tried to have Lee like, <laughs> I don't know, uh, get some semblance of revenge by low blowing Strowman and saying, don't test me. Um, I'll say at the end of it all, after last week, after the Roman Reigns Strowman match, and then this match, I had no interest in this at all. I really lost all my interest in this feud, um, not, like all that shit. And then now we're getting a, a feud over low blows. Is man, it's just so far from. I think like they did a great job with rehabbing Braun. I thought like with with all the Raw Underground stuff, like gave him a new look, um, kind of a, a new attitude. You know, like I and putting him on on a different show. Allowed me to kind of forget about a lot of the, um, what is it, Bray Wyatt feud? And then just like, I think over the past two, three weeks, or just really two weeks, like they, the false start to this match, um, and then like losing to Reigns in the way he did. And then, ah, man, I just had no interest by the time this point, this match came along. So it continues, um, but man, like the story has hasn't necessarily been good.
1: I don't know. I just think, dude, Keith Lee has not even been on the roster two months.
0: Well, he and lost just, by low blow here. You know, like that was.
1: This is just this is just indicative of where this guy has been in the lead up to this. Like, who who is your number two baby face on Raw right Underneath now? Drew McIntyre.
0: Right now, number two babyface on this show. Um, I don't think it's Keith Lee. I think it might be, um, who's, um, you know, if they turn the fiend, it would probably be the fiend, um, Drew McIntyre, I guess uh, the new day, if you consider the new day, uh, but they're a tag team trying to think who else, uh, to think. Let me to
1: let say. me put it this way: Who was more? Where was Keith Lee a year ago? Where was Matt Riddle a year ago? Yeah.
0: Where, oh I yeah. Go no through no question. No question, John. Like, yeah, everybody is typically better on NXT than they are on on WWE television. Yeah, I I don't disagree that um, they've just kind of made him into another guy, but uh, in their minds, they think, oh, he's on the level of a Braun Strowman now. Um, he's going toe-to-toe 50-50 with a Braun Strowman. So we've created another, we've elevated him to the status of somebody on the level of a Braun Strowman, which is, of course, above how they view an NXT star.
1: Final segment of the night, Randy Orton enters the red Hell in a Cell with a chair. It's story time. It was going to be a lengthy story. He wanted the cell to reflect and remember. He's never left a piece of himself in this cell, despite the seven times he's been in it. He reminisces about reminisce, reminisces about beating Sheamus, mutilating Jeff Hardy, beating Daniel Bryan, facing John Cena twice, becoming WWE champion twice, and looking the dead man in the eye and earning his respect. All those people are either Hall of Famers or will be Hall of Famers. And they all can be classified with the word legend. And he goes on about Drew beating Brock this year. But then Drew McIntyre walks out. And (laughs) dude, there's like two minutes left here. The door is locked with a padlock and a chain. And Orton is just goading Drew. Come on, break the lock. You're going to have to wait till Sunday. When Drew has hidden bolt cutters. He cuts the lock. Walks into the door. Tom yells, Drew McIntyre has broken into hell. Cut. Done. The show goes off the air. Now, I will not be surprised one iota if the timing of this was off. Because this is very unlike WWE to have one of these moments. Uh, but that's how it ended. Drew well, broke into hell and we, we ended the show. This was... we All we needed was Tony Schiavone to announce that they were out of time.
0: It's really odd for WWE to have like timing issues like this, you know? Like usually they'd be able to cut back enough to like leave enough time for the main event segment. So, um that would be interesting if that was the case cuz if this was the plan <laughs> to have them break the bull cutters and then go right off air, that'd be like Steve Austin coming out with the beer truck, taking the hose out while the corporation <laughs> is standing in the ring. And then leaving. Like the show going off air. Uh, it was very weird. Very unsatisfying. But what a perfect way to end the very weird. Unsatisfying edition of Raw.
1: Brutal show.
0: It was fucking awful. Like it was. Even somebody like me who often takes pleasure in like. Really terrible things. Um, It was. I think in 20 years. We can look back at this edition of Raw. Maybe like somebody will do a whole 2020 retrospective of WWE Raw, and look at this one as one of the worst, and really enjoy it that way. You might even enjoy like us talking about it on this review. But man, sitting through it live, like on the day of, um, it was at times boring. It was at times um completely confusing, and uh, well, it was special. And I'll just say that it was a special experience.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if you just chalked this up to just a, a show that was just the perfect storm of awful, but I would say that when you're looking at what are what are the best stories going on in WWE, it's Roman Reigns, it's Bayley and Sasha, I would even put like the Rey Mysterio stuff, and it's like all of that
0: is now on SmackDown
1: and oh, on and Raw. I think
0: that's by design. They want their best shit on on the Fox show.
1: Well, I mean, it doesn't mean that you just have garbage here on Raw, but oh, that's they that's watched, what we
0: got tonight. They weren't trying to make garbage, Sean. They were actually trying here. That's the that's the disappointing part. Man, yeah. Like I just thought this was a brutal show. A brutal, brutal I, show. Some of these booking um, decisions, I just like all the retribution stuff. I completely am flabbergasted by. So
1: I'm stunned by all of this. Like I think there's an, an, an like almost. I want to say a complete inability to build a baby face, but they got it with Drew McIntyre this year. Like for all that you can say, like they have done a fantastic job and, and Drew has done a fantastic job in that role. So I can't say that there's zero chance that they can build a baby face. But what I watched tonight and even like a heel group in retribution, like it's just, it was absolutely stunning to me what we saw tonight when it came to, Like some of the booking decisions, and that's where you lay all your confusion at the door of is just some of these absolutely puzzling decisions. Like there are bad shows where things just don't go right or there's a bad match. This one, it was just absolutely drive your head into the wall insanity.
0: I think part of the intent of a season premiere of the show is introducing, you know, pot- potentially a, a, a USA exclusive audience to a, a set of brand new characters. Um, I think maybe in an attempt to do a lot of that and starting feuds, like, you know, a, in their first steps, um, it resulted in a lot of, like, uh, unusual things. You know, like the introduction of Jordan as... Again, just like this device that you know sends somebody like Matt riddle into paralysis is a is a fresh and different idea um it's different um and they are trying something different right now um yeah again, the retribution thing I have no question like I don't understand at all. the Lana thing seemed like I don't know what that was like last week leading to to this week um what else? Like it wasn't
1: there. just a throwaway match. They built up. Like if they had just put that battle royal on in the middle of the show last week to just set this up, I think I'd be less uh, critical of it. But I mean, that was what ended your show, and they promoted that match all week. It just felt like somewhere along the way, they just thought they just lost all interest in whatever they thought that the idea was last week to put Lana over.
0: Well, listen, I'm dying to know what the forum thought because maybe they thought this was a 10 out of 10 show and you and I are, are on some sort of weird island. But um, let's, let's check that out before we get to the news.
1: Okay, let's go to the forum and tonight's poll, a 4.18. I think that's extremely generous. Paul from New Jersey. I actually really enjoyed the opening segments, but Retribution was made to look weak. Where is our Mus- Mustafa Ali promo? Well, that did happen. WWE hypes a leader for this ragtag group forever, and we don't get the Brig promo from Ali. Makes no sense. He all clearly he turned
0: it off after Peyton Royce appeared. That must be it.
1: Uh, makes about as much sense as splitting up the Iconics so Peyton Royce can team with Lacey Evans, baffling. Do you think they keep that t- those two together?
0: It's cl- it was cl- clear they were starting something. Mm-hmm
1: thought Drew McIntyre cut a great promo and half of the women's tag champions sounded half decent. I'll let you guess who. Lastly, I think it's important to note that Lana really held her own in a nice little match against Asuka. Overall, a five and
0: five. Yeah, a nice little two-minute match. Yep, she got... She hit her with some kicks. We got a Noah from Vaughn who says, so let me get this straight. They broke off one of the few women's tag teams in the Iconics for the purpose of creating a makeshift team of Lacey Evans and Peyton for a makeshift four-way match which featured a team that as of last week is no longer a part of the Raw roster. I gotta be honest, that doesn't make much sense. (laughs) The Ali promo was really good. However, I can't help but think back to how they made Retribution look like complete geeks in the opening match by losing so quickly and then getting killed by Bray. Very pretty poor episode of Raw. 2.5 out of 10. I have no idea how Keith Lee is supposed to get over when 90% of his matches end with DQs and screwy finishes.
1: Alexander from Portland. Randy Orton delivered a message from hell. Was he implying the third hour of Raw was hell? Strowman and Keith Lee flopped. How does this company expect Lee to get over when all his matches end with tomfoolery? Retribution looked like dorks. Miz's promo spoke a big truth. WWE hasn't done anything with Otis since he won Money in the Bank. I'm all for Miz taking the briefcase. Imagine him cashing in on Randy Orton like it was 2010 again. With both guys being main eventers on Raw, could you see another Bray Wyatt Randy Orton feud in the coming year? Oh, I mean, man. I mean, it's a carousel ride. They'll, you know, they'll spin in place till they
0: probably he, he, end up together. He, in another. He did bring the racket out.
1: Well, if that was an indication of Randy Orton, then, yeah, why not?
0: Okay, we go to Crooked well, Megan, who says, A lot of tonight's events felt like the same song and dance. Retribution losing to the Hurt Business and being decimated by Bray has made them look even worse. The draft felt meaningless with the women's four-way tag match and Otis in a luchador mask bypassing it. The two positives I found were AJ Styles getting a heater in Jordan, which could bode well for AJ to move back up the card, post Hell in a Cell, and Mustafa Ali's... I gotta get used to that. Mustafa Ali's promo, circling back to the hacker angle from that pa- the past spring. The hiatus has done nothing to right the ship, a lackluster go-home show. Is it Friday yet? Okay.
1: Alright. I have nothing to add. Is I have nothing to add system? on this show. Uh, I hope so. Okay, This is a bad show. Let's get into some news before we uh, wrap up here. Um... Some uh, very sad news over the weekend was the death of uh, Lucha Libre performer uh, Principe Ario, uh, Luis Angel Salazar, who died uh, after a match where he collapsed during the match. This was for the MEXA wrestling promotion. He was only 23 years of age. He was teaming with uh, Puma de Oro against Brazo de Oro Jr. and Redimio, and the match was stopped after he had collapsed uh, and later pronounced dead. The Moss Lucha report is citing that a medical report stated it was a ruptured middle cerebral artery, which would be a brain aneurysm that it's believed he sustained. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of, I guess, just questions about uh, what was his stake going into this match and what exactly happened. but it's a really unfortunate story uh involving a guy who was super young 23 i think he had been wrestling though for like 10 years i think he started very young um and this uh i got a message about this really late on saturday night and it just seems it was a you know just just a tragedy on saturday
0: yeah awfully awfully sad tragic story um i i you know i i don't know how much wrestling can be like cited in, in this one i mean you bring up yeah like what the condition was of the the performer prior but like i i don't know much about brain aneurysms but i i've heard people have them just like you can have them any time like without really knowing so yeah uh yeah it's it's sad either way
1: i mean it's worth noting like this was you know um you know unlike you know of of stories we heard in the past where it was like there was a delay get like it seemed like they stopped Mm -hmm. the match they were able to tend to him immediately now the show did go on but they did stop the match and it seemed that you know it wasn't a case of just uh complete like they weren't prepared Uh, it it just seems like it was horrible um just the circumstances and i I don't know if you could have done anything in, in this situation unfortunately um but I guess yeah, it does bring about just the case of you know a 23 year old. It's just something that. What um, was there anything that you you could have uh, foreseen? I guess well, I don't well, know. we don't know. Find, it's unfortunate. Find
0: medical reports.
1: Uh, New Japan has released the card for Power Struggle, which will happen on November the seventh uh, at Edeon Arena. Now, what's interesting about this is that it's going to be a six match card with six singles matches. So. Uh, without counting like the seconds, like uh, Dick Togo, for instance, uh, it's going to be 12 wrestlers on this card. And I guess that clearly they have to be drawing from the format of the G1 shows and keeping numbers on these shows to a minimum.
0: Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, I I guess for safety reasons, you know, um, to account for the time to disinfect as well.
1: That's right. They'll probably have that midway through. Uh, The matches are Tetsuya Naito against Evil for the double championship. Kota Ibushi putting his briefcase on the line against, uh, or his contract uh, against Jay White. Kenta putting his briefcase on the line against Hiroshi Tanahashi. I guess neither Jay White or Hiroshi Tanahashi are filing a lawsuit against them. (laughs) Uh, No, I would love uh, a court battle between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kenta.
0: Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kenta court battle. Um, that
1: Kenta has to take the stand, but instead he wants to sit on the floor to yes. deliver like under
0: oath. Yes, we got a great culmination of that entire storyline this uh, in the backstage. Kentas backstage interview this week.
1: Uh
0: in the biggest
1: singles match of his entire career, this is going to be quite the uh, interesting match to see how it plays out. Kazuchika Kata against the Great Okan. Minoru Suzuki against Shingo Takagi for the Never Openweight Championship. And the King of Pro Wrestling uh, holder, Toriano uh, will defend his, uh, I guess, title against Zack Sabre Jr., which I think will actually be a pretty fun opener for this show. But um, I'm fine with the six-match format. It's really notable, the fact that, I mean, no Will Ospreay on this show, a lot of the big names
0: that are not going to be part of this show. But um, it's true. Um, however, they do have, um, they've also released their first Road to Power Struggle card, and Will Ospreay is on that one, teaming with Great O'Connor against uh, Okada and Gabriel Kidd. Oh, that's just the, the first night of the tour?
1: Yes. Oh, right. I see it here. Uh, yeah, right. Because they're Friday. Right. Yeah they start Corcune hall on Friday and then, yeah, they've got 10 dates on that tour uh, before power struggle. And then it's into the tag league and best of the super juniors. So um, there's definitely some good stuff on the card. Um, And I'm not going to complain about a six match card either. Like I'm, I'm fine with that.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, really what you're giving up is like, you know, maybe some undercard tag matches. um, And I, I'm fine without that. I think everybody is honestly. And um, it's, it, it, most of these are like rematches coming off of like wins or losses through through the G1. Uh, but then you also have, of course, the uh, Great Okan versus Okada match, which I think a lot of people will be watching with a lot of interest to see what Okan will look like um, against arguably the best wrestler in the world. Uh, if, you know, there's a lot of pressure on that guy for that match. And do you think they'll do a, a stipulation for Zack Sabre and um, Yano? Like, how does that King of Pro Wrestling thing work? Well, are-
1: it's supposed to be... Yeah, where they have this, it's always to be contested under a stipulation uh, that the fans vote on. So, um, I, I don't know what, like maybe, uh, maybe it's like no countouts, or I, I don't know. I don't know what the stipulation should sure. be, but th- there should okay. be something, because that was the whole point of it.
0: Yeah, and uh, of course, you know, we have uh, another over versus Evil main event. Yep. Um I don't know honestly Like, (laughs) I thought okay yeah maybe people in Japan really like this for some reason like WH said last night people hate it in Japan just as much as people in the west so I I really oh man this thing's gonna go another half hour and I just man I'm gonna probably watch it to review it but like shit it's like man man that's all I can say
1: that's the same day as uh, Full Gear as well that's gonna be a long day yes it will yeah. Dark Side of the Ring is confirmed for a third season, and uh, Vice TV is expanding the episode order to 14 episodes. Uh, it'll come back in 2021, and yeah, I, I think this was met with a lot of uh, positivity that the series is coming back. Obviously, uh, Vice TV, I mean, this has been the most successful series in its history. I think what this came down to was like that team of going out and producing 14 one hour, or maybe maybe one of them will be a two-hour one, like we saw with the Benoit one, but, like, at least 14 hours of uh, documentaries, I mean, that's an enormous undertaking.
0: Absolutely it is, yeah, and, you know, especially, like, doing it in the midst of a pandemic, you know, where you would imagine there'd still be quite a bit of travel involved, collecting all of these interviews. I mean, I think, you know, a sit-down interview type of show you can do in a pandemic. It's not like you need a bunch of people on set or anything like that. Um, outside of maybe some of those reenactments but even those can be probably done um with with a small group um so of course vice would like vice would probably be happy with 50 more of these like these are the the like the the, the things that are probably like like making that channel relevant honestly like so and
1: tremendous replay value it's not like these like have a shelf life
0: yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, happy for them. I'm 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 really happy to see like some of the subjects that they're tackling uh from the sounds of it. Um it, the Korea show uh, the WCW Korea show might be one of the topics. Uh Brian uh, Pillman. Dad, uh,
1: yeah, Dave Meltzer reported in the Observer that four of the subjects uh look to be Brian Pillman, Dynamite Kid, Grizzly Smith, and WCW shows in North Korea in 1995, which I would say if you can find the most interesting people um and maybe some people that are not as uh, well known to the public like you think of like the front-facing wrestling people but uh just you know just you know who was involved in like this show happening government
0: officials i mean that could be a really interesting one with the the north korean shows and uh, i believe david Bix's fan has uh revealed that he's uh helping with the show this year
1: so. Yeah, he's going to be working as a researcher in this season, he had uh, he had noted. So, yeah, I think there'll be very in-depth, researched shows uh, mm-hmm. coming out. They just said 2021. It's probably very early uh, to be even uh, looking at it. Given the, the production values that are a high point of these shows way and the pandemic, would you as a viewer be forgiving if they relied it- at mm-hmm. all on, like, on like zoom interviews or stuff do you think that at all kind of cheapens the
0: the quality i don't give a shit like i just want i just want the content like it makes no difference to me i mean okay listen if they had a zoom call that was shot on an led board from (laughs) across the arena where the guy is trying to make noise but instead it's not really his noise but more like hand audio and he's got his shirt off okay, then that might be a bit weird. But as long as we can hear what the person is saying, as long as these interviews are are good, yeah, absolutely. It's fine.
1: I I think it would be something that given the pandemic, I think people would be very forgiving of. And also, I mean, if people are cool with that, think of like how many more interviews they could conduct that mm-hmm. doesn't have the handicap of like a limited budget that, hey, we don't have to fly to Minnesota to do X amount of interviews. Or if there's One person that would be really great but he's not around anybody else and to justify that cost like i i think it's something that this audience you've carved out your sizable audience that dark side of the ring is now the brand that people are tuning into and i think that especially in season two we saw that that Mm -hmm. subject matter that might not have been the most appealing to a wide amount of audiences did very good numbers and i think that's largely on the reputation the show has now been able to achieve
0: absolutely you know in the first couple seasons i think you got some of your more notable subjects out of the way like you've done your Benoit episode you've done your owen hart episode um and then you know like there are definitely big stories still in the wrestling world but i i don't know if like any of them um, I don't know how many more high profile ones they might be able to find so that like you know you're getting to maybe something like the WCW North Korea show um, you built up such a great rapport with the fan base now that like there's going to be interest I think just uh, regardless of like whether or not somebody might have even heard about the topic.
1: SmackDown on Tuesday night, they they did uh, 2,124,000 viewers. It was slightly down from the week prior, but that was uh, the draft. They did a .6 in the demo, which uh, would tie them with Shark Tank. Uh, Among all network shows on Friday night, Uh, the big programming was on cable on Friday night with the two Major League Baseball playoff games. Uh, In Canada, SmackDown did just under 162,000 viewers on Sportsnet 360. They were third among sports programming behind the two Major League Baseball playoff games. And an interesting uh, letter that was posted today from several of the members of GLOW Um, This was obviously a letter that was written prior to the news that Netflix would not be bringing the series back, uh, but it was a letter signed by uh, several of the performers of color that were on the cast, including Kia Stevens, Brittany Young, who played Carmen, Sidel Noel, who was Cherry Bang, Ellen Wong, who was Jenny, Sunita Manny, who was Arthi, and Shakira Barrera, who was Yolanda. And the letter, I won't read the entire thing, but you can see it. We posted it on the website, and it's on Kia Stevens' Instagram. It's pretty much just going through that they felt that they were not adequately uh, given enough screen time and deep enough stories, that it was largely they were, you know, for lack of a better term, like they were sidebar characters to the principal characters that were white characters, and stating that it was almost this kind of Metacriticism that in the body of the show, they were looking at like these stereotypical roles they had to play for the GLOW program, but it somewhat resembled how they felt. And they listed off several suggestions that they had made for the final season, including... Uh, hiring an executive producer or a consultant uh, of color to also address and portray the stereotypical and racially offensive wrestling personas, the impact it had on the characters' professional lives, and amplify our voices and our importance within the season narrative. And in a way, we we followed all of these uh, seasons and looked at a lot of these characters. And like I w- I would say that you you could definitely look at several of these characters that they had like their big episode, but they were limited. I mean, these were definitely like the secondary characters to what the, the key stories were. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was just curious kind of your thoughts on, you know, any of the portrayals and if you felt like it was, cause it was tricky. Like you're trying to tell this story of glow, which by its nature, it was very exploitive of, you know, racial prejudice and using these characters for you know some some very offensive characters and i think their thought was it's one thing to portray the characters for the glow series but also kind of go into more of the
0: performers
1: behind them it gets very deep in terms of like what they're looking for but i understood what the message was
0: yeah um well first of all i thought it was interesting that it was um this this came out i guess after um And like after the show was announced that it was canceled. And so I, I guess I, I try to, you know, wonder like what, what the idea was, you know, behind it. And certainly I think it sends a bigger message to Hollywood at large and really all forms of media at large about underrepresentation for people of color, um, even on a series like this. But like, I guess as a fan, I don't know if this was just like maybe me being so used to the status quo and especially in the, in the in the sort of like realm of professional wrestling, but I thought, especially the third season, like they were able to dig quite deep into the people behind the stereotypes. Like the Kia Stevens episode from I don't I think it was season two. Yeah. I thought was incredible. Um like Ellen had like a couple of She episodes had that too. that one great episode. Yeah. Like but at it, the camp again, like it but I, I but, guess so so are we then you know, it sounds also like the, part of the argument was like, yeah, like, we have these singular episodes, but overall, we are still secondary characters. So now, are so. we complaining, yeah. though, about people that were hired as supporting cast wanting to be full-time cast members or, like, leading leads? Is that is that the argument? Um, and And, you know... Should that be a valid argument? Should there be more people of color as leads on something like glow? Should people be elevated rather than, you know, the principal characters on the show being Mark Marin, Alison Brie, uh, forget, I forget the, um, Liberty Bell, uh, forget yeah. her name. Like that, I think it kind of bleeds into that discussion, you know, like when you're producing a show, it's like you have your supporting cast and you have your leads. Um, Is that what their argument is? They want to be leads.
1: I I thought that a lot of the, like, especially like um, the Jenny character, like I thought that was a character that you could see, like in season one and two, she was very much like a background figure. And then in season three, I thought like she got her, her spotlight. And in a cast, as I'm literally looking at the production still right now, like this was a big cast and it would be impossible to, Give equal screen time to all of these people, nor would you expect that out of a out of a out of a series that everyone is going to be given prime roles. Now, on a larger sense, is there an over abundance of white leads? I, I think absolutely. But then once you break that down, is is glow like a prime offender of that? No, I think that that's like where do you start? Now you way, I would be curious like in terms of when you are watching movies or television shows that you get into, like it's something that for, for me like I'm not going to have that hit me in the face to the same degree that I, I'm watching it. And 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 that's probably a shortcoming on my part. But um I think it's like a good conversation to have, but I don't I don't think it's one where one series is necessarily going to be the one that takes the lead on it. And you kind of have this kind of just like you're going in place where I think it's going to be ultimately like a generational shift that we see more prominent roles that we are seeing in some big examples, but has that permeated across movies and television as a whole? I don't think so. Not yet.
0: Yeah, no. Um, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, any show, dude, like, Seinfeld, uh, Friends, Sex and the City, like, I mean, I don't know, like, I, I've just kind of grown up not being represented, and it's just something that, like, I I almost don't have that much faith, like, I don't even expect it, honestly, like, it's just not something I expect. Um,
1: I'm good, by the way, I feel like I've got my representation, I'm I'm okay to uh, to have some shows and movies not cater towards 36 year old
0: white me so you know like when it comes to glow i guess like i'm i'm a little surprised that maybe this letter is attached to this show cuz to me glow was an example of a show that was actually progressive like they like that ellen show like talked about the the kamar rouge like massacre and like that stuff is not stuff that talk that's talked about anywhere on any show so i mean i i i think like maybe expectations are even higher for a show like glow because you've already taken so many steps towards progress. Um, are you still, you know, like why not take the full step and like elevate one of your, you know, persons of color into a lead role. Uh, and maybe that, that, I think that that would be a perfectly valid argument. Um, so, I you know, but I suppose, like, in my mind, it's, like, I feel like Glow was already maybe doing a lot more than all, like, several, many other shows that exist on television. Um, but uh, maybe we should expect more of, like, the, the the leaders. But anyway, it's all a boot point now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because the se- the series is not coming back. Um, and I know that a lot of people are kind of pushing for this, like, Glow to have some sort of finality to it. Um But I I just don't know if that's actually going to materialize or not. Ultimately, that will come down to another streaming service or uh, production uh, company seeing something and being able to pull that off, which I don't know. Typically, you'll get these campaigns that are short-lived based on the fumes of a fan base that wants to see their favorite show continue. But ultimately, you know, people are going to move on. I I don't know if we'll see this series ever – have its conclusion but i guess the i I don't even know how that how that would work like the fourth season was all ready like they had started shooting it so it's like you had a season there but if netflix is not producing it do they not have the rights to that fourth season it's not like you can oh smarter people than me can uh explain how something like that would work but i think we have probably seen the end of this glow series which i i thought was a very I enjoyed the show for the three seasons that it lasted. And I thought that they did go into a lot of complex topics. And I think over the course of those three seasons, like you did get uh, depth to a good amount of these characters. But uh, could there be more? Um, I think that's a larger question that you, you could certainly look at.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and I think like they also addressed like the lack of people of color on the writing staff and the production staff. And that's very right? valid. Like that. Absolutely. they
1: like they stated that that in there and i think that behind the scenes i think that is a you know an enormous issue and that's one where i i think that that's especially when we're talking about this show and what topics they're dealing with i think the fact of you know they wanted an executive producer or a consulting producing producer of color and um said here glow's principal cast is 40 percent actors of color and currently season four employs zero writers of color um i i don't think there's any uh argument that you can come back with uh against that
0: yeah sure yeah um again i i just wish that we were actually getting a fourth season um because i i i you know i thought it was one of the shows that really treated wrestling as a vehicle with like a good deal of respect So, um, yeah, it's too bad.
1: Okay, final things here. Uh, Wednesday night, we have Dynamite, which is going to be presenting all four opening round matches for the Eliminator tournament. So, we're getting Kenny Omega, Joey Janela, Penta against Phoenix, Cole Cabana against Hangman Page, Wardlow versus Jungle Boy, the four way tag match for the number one contender spot with the Young Bucks, Private Party, Butcher and the Blade, and Alex Reynolds and John Silver. And the main event, La Dinner debonair
0: the going against event?
1: nxt yeah going against nxt that has Brizongo against bobby fish and roderick strong for the tag titles and both shows go against
0: the world series Ooh, how much of a hit do you think they'll take
1: um i i think it'll be something um i i, I it, it'll be very interesting um because smackdown We failed to mention this, Uh, on Friday, SmackDown in the US is airing on FS1 instead of Fox, because Fox will be carrying the World Series. So this week we have SmackDown, AEW, on cable, both going against the World Series this week. Wow. Baseball. They really hit that one home tonight about uh, SmackDown being on FS1. I think we saw two promos. (laughs) Did that on purpose? All right. Um. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would I watched that show on Friday and I didn't even catch the mention that they were on F S one next week. So yeah, I'm paying I attention know. to this, taking notes, and I missed it. And last year, like that show got destroyed when it moved to F S one. Um we'll see mm-hmm. if that's the case uh this year as well. All right. Anything else, way before we sign off? I think we covered a lot of ground on this show. Um I think um, we got everything out. I think, I we, think so, we cleansed so. ourselves. Tuesday's a new day. Yep.
0: We're gonna move on. Hey, I I maybe I should have given this warning off the top, but man, like I got one of these like uh, iTunes comments, and it was like from a dude who was like, "Oh man, they should find people who actually like WWE." This, show's this show is dedicated to you, sir. <laughs> it's not for you. Well, yeah, sure, it's it's exactly for you. Yeah, I mean, shit, like I really do try my best to be open minded and to be fair, like going into every single one of these shows. This one was, this was to me, a as but as fair and reasoned review I could have given this show. I go into every single show
1: where I want to just watch a great show. I don't care if it's WWE, if I'm watching Impact, if I'm watching Ring of Honor, if I'm watching New Japan, if I'm watching UFC, I'm watching Bellator. I never sit down and say to myself, you know it would be fun? If this show just fell off a cliff, that would be awesome. I don't have time. I don't. I don't want to sit through this and complain on our show every week. I'm not like. I, I don't get like invested in,
0: in like people hating wrestling. Like it hurts None. our business. You know the fact that pe- like this, the most popular show in the world, the most popular wrestling show in the world, is tuning people out of the sport entirely. Like that doesn't help us at all. So I I, I don't understand people who like think we're hating on it on purpose.
1: Well, that's fine.
0: People can direct all their anger at me. It's fine. We'll be back. Ask Raw was great. <laughs> Raw day. is amazing, everybody. Everybody, you've got to tune into this show. It's got great writing. It's got great characters, great wrestling, great uh, special effects, great, great camera effects, great uh, technology, great music, everything you could want. You've got to watch this show.
1: What's so amazing, though, is that you're in an era Where I would argue that the bar for success, the T-bar of success in WWE is like at a reasonable level. Like Raw just not being atrocious is going to get bell curved to like, that was really good. They announced who the hacker was. Like that's a home run now because they didn't just drop that story. But can you I think that like WWE is like in the easiest position to get critical praise because uh, I I think that like that is where the bar is for people that after a show like this, just coming out and being decent is going to be overvalued.
0: Like if, if we had a show just full of Kofi Kingston versus Sheamus, like that level of stuff, not to even say that was good. That was just like. Yeah, average. You know, like they had a match, but it made sense. Like babyface in his debut match on the on the on the on the brand won his match. He, he could have lost, whatever. At least, it, it, it's, it's, if we can go through a show without me being completely offended for investing my time, for uh, investing my my thought, my critical thinking, my my attention on this show, I think I would give that show a seven out of ten.
1: Like we were hard on evil and sonata Saturday. And it's like, listen, that that's not a main event that I'm uh, desperate to go sit back down and watch. But in comparison to tonight, give me that five times in a row. Like that's where the bar is for a G one show. Where we be, we're being critical of that, you know what I mean?
0: It, so at on least this made show, sense when 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 Dick Togo pulled out the Garrett, it made sense. Like it made sense why Red Shoes wasn't watching. We're gonna sign off now.
1: Thank you to everybody for listening. Ask away Tuesday. Rewind to dynamite Wednesday. Postwrestling.com. Check out Andrew Thompson's interview. He's chatting with Lance Anawahi on Tuesday at postwrestling.com and Andrew Thompson interviews on YouTube. That's it. Goodbye. We've just broken into hell.